Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. And in this edition of the podcast, I want to do what I've done a few times before, which is share a section of Talmud, of traditional rabbinic text, based upon a section that we've been studying in our Talmud group here in Ann Arbor. This text does not come from the section that we've been studying, but it is so interesting to me, and it certainly has a connection with the section which we've been studying. And I want to share it with you. And before I do, two quick disclaimers. First of all, I am not referring specifically to any case that's happening in the news or, or in the community today. Uh, there are certainly implications that this text has for uh, current issues, current situations, but that was not my intention when I chose to do this. We've been studying this section for quite a while, and um, this particular section that I'm going to share with you today has always been one of my favorite sections of Talmud to share with people because it was one I studied in rabbinical school in what seems like a previous lifetime some 40 years ago and had to, in fact, write a paper on. And so it's always stuck in my mind as being an interesting section. So it's not necessarily related to any events taking place in the world today. And certainly I'm not even going to come to a conclusion as to which of the opinions that I'm going to present are correct. I wanna just present them both and you can decide how you feel about it. The second thing that I wanna point out is that I am, I tend to get a little bit excited and, and uh, I wouldn't call it quite dramatic, but excited when I teach this section because I find it so interesting. And I don't want you to think that I'm understating the importance of the issues here. These are life and death issues we're going to be talking about, but I get, tend to get very uh, um, uh, interested in and very uh, involved in the, the arguments that are taking place. So uh, please don't think that I'm making light of the actual situation but I am interested in the debate that goes on here. In this week's Torah portion, we read the Ten Commandments, and one of the Ten Commandments, the sixth one, is lo tzach, thou shalt not murder. You have to say thou shalt not when you talk about the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder. It's clear that that's one of the most basic commandments. In fact, there's a text which teaches that if we hadn't been told do not murder, in the uh, in the Torah, we would have figured it out anyway. It would have under, we would have understood it from logic. In the Torah, a person who commits murder gets to ca gets capital punishment. The rabbis in later generations, in the time the rabbinic times, were very careful to delineate only certain circumstances in which one could in fact receive capital punishment, and they almost legislated it out of existence completely. You may be familiar with the text which says, if a court condemns somebody to death once in seven years or 70 years, it was considered a bloodthirsty court. So clearly the rabbis had problems with the idea of capital punishment because frankly, they never knew whether they could completely ascertain the guilt of an individual. In the Torah, one of the mechanisms by which capital punishment was in fact enacted, at least this is what's described in the Torah, is through the tradition of the Goel Hadam, the blood avenger, a member of the family of the murdered individual who would take vengeance on the killer by killing that person. The Torah, in fact, either, either mandates it, accepts it, or lives with it, whichever way you want to look at it, but it's clear in the Torah, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says that if a person tries to 
go to what's called an, a city of refuge, which we're going to talk about in a moment, and is in fact guilty of murder, they have to take him out of the city of refuge and hand that person over to the blood avenger. We might think this is barbaric, but you have to realize the fact that we are dealing with our day and the Torah is dealing with another time. And the way we measure, in my mind, the ethics involved in the Torah and the search for and the dedication to building a sacred community based upon ethics is how it tries to move away or mediate some of the issues which we find to be offensive. So the Torah accepts the fact that there can be slaves, but the slaves have to be treated kindly. And in this particular case, the Goel Hadam, the, the blood avenger, is allowed to do their job, so to speak, but not if the murder was in fact accidental, not if it was unintentional. In that case, the Torah provides a place that the unintentional murderer can go, the person who killed unintentionally can go to escape the blood avenger, and that's called a city of refuge. And in fact, the person was allowed to live there, was mandated to live there for a certain period of time and to avoid the vengeance of the blood avenger. The classic case that the Torah uses to discuss an example of a unintended murder goes like this. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 19, and I'm reading from verse 5. For instance, a person goes with another fellow into a grove to cut wood. As his hand swings the axe to cut down a tree, the axe head flies off the handle and strikes the other so that he dies. The person is then allowed to flee to the city of refuge. So a person swings the axe to cut wood, the axe head flies off the handle and strikes the other one and the person dies. That's considered by the Torah to be a unintentional murder and the person is eligible to go to the city of refuge. There's a problem with the verse though. And the problem with the verse is that the word for the handle or the shaft of the ax is the word eights. And the word eights means, can mean a piece of wood, which is how it gets to be the handle, but it can also of course mean tree. So one could read this verse in the Torah as saying, the axe head flies off the tree rather than flies off the handle. It's a very interesting distinction. And it's the basis for a fantastic, fascinating debate in the Mishnah, the earliest post-Torah code, code of Jewish law, post-Torah code of Jewish law. The Mishnah tries to help the situation by changing the word for the handle of the axe to the word uh, it says mikato, from the handle of the axe. So they take the word eights out of it, but it's still that word and it's this word that in fact is, uh, is really the foundation of this discussion, of this debate. So what happens if the blade of the axe flies off from the handle and kills a person? Rebbe Omer, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, the editor of the Mishnah says, he is not exiled. Eno gole. The person who swings the axe and the blade flies off does not, in fact, go to the city of refuge. The Chachamim, the other sages, say the person can go to the city of refuge. Clearly, it was unintentional. 
how could Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi say this when the Torah itself said that in that case the person is exiled to the city of refuge? And the answer is, it appears, that Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi is understanding the word eighths from the Torah not to refer to the handle, but to refer to the tree. If the axe blade flies off from the tree after the impact with the tree and hits somebody, then the person can go to the city of refuge. That we're going to read in the second part of the Mishnah. But in this first case, the person is not entitled to go to the city of refuge. Why? Presumably because they should have checked to make sure that the blade of the axe was firmly attached to the handle. And in that particular case, while it might be unintentional, it was still careless. And the person cannot consider themselves innocent because they should have checked what they were using to cut down the tree. The rabbis, the other sages say, no, the Torah says eights, it means the handle of the ax. And even if he should have checked, it still was unintentional and he goes to the city of refuge. He's eligible to go to the city of refuge. Then the second case comes up. What happens if the blade of the ax is dislodged after it hits the tree and flies off and kills somebody? In that case, Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi would say he does go to the city of refuge because clearly it was unintentional. But the Chachamim, the sages, says, say he doesn't go to the city of refuge. How could they say this? In this particular case, it's because they don't consider it a serious enough action that would even could even possibly be interpreted as intentional. It is completely not his responsibility. In fact, the words that's used in, in Maimonides uses these words and others is koach kocho, which would be translated as the action came not from his force, but from the effect generated by his force. It was a second level of action. So for the rabbis, the sages, who disagree with Rabbi Hunanasi, if he swings the axe and the blade flies off on its own, he goes to the city of refuge. Once it hits the tree, though, he is completely blameless and doesn't have to go to the city of refuge, and the, and the blood avenger has no right to kill him because it's not even an unintentional murder, it's just an accident. I should say quickly, parenthetically, not to confuse the issue more, that there is another interpretation of that line which says, which we translated as the blade hits the tree. Some of the commentaries say that what it refers to is not the blade killing somebody, but a piece of the tree flying off and killing somebody. In that case, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi would still say you're not eligible for exile if the blade flies off the tree, because even though it was not directly your action, it obviously was loose and you should have checked. The rabbis, meanwhile, would say that would be a case where you still would go to exile. The only case you wouldn't go into exile is if it was a third level action. They, not only the, the, um, the, you swung the ax, the ax hit the blade, the blade of the ax hit the tree and the tree came off and killed somebody, that would be koach kocho, that would be the effect generated by your force. But I hope I didn't confuse the issue, but I had to say that for completeness. Let's leave it the way we said it originally. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi says that you are responsible for the murder. It takes a sense, it, it, it may have been unintentional, 
but it was not purely accidental, you are still at fault because you didn't check to make sure that the blade was attached to the, to the handle. The only way you go to exile is if the blade flies off after it hits the tree. The rabbis, meanwhile, the chachamim, the sages say, no, the case in the Torah is what it says. It flew off the handle and you're, it's unintentional. And if it hits the tree first and then flies off, you don't go to the city of refuge because you are not responsible at all and the blood avenger cannot uh, consider this to have been a murder. It was a complete accident. I'm fascinated by this text and, and I, I have no way to judge which it is, which, which position to follow. I leave that up to you to decide. What happens if a person unintentionally performs an act but does an act, but in that un lack of intention, there is still some carelessness. There is still some uh, some a, a lack of attention. Does that person is that person guilty, or are the rabbis correct saying in this particular case, no, even if the the blade was loose, it was unintentional, and the person is eligible to go to the city of refuge, and be protected from uh, from being uh, having this killing be avenged. Think about it. Think about what you think. What, is the, what are the limits of our responsibility in a certain case? And, can we, and when can we say a case was unintentional? And when does it become careless to the point of being intentional because one didn't do the responsible thing of checking uh, to make sure that whatever they were dealing with was safe? Think about that a little bit or a lot and realize that the Torah is really in, in pursuit of an ethical community based upon justice and allowing the justice to be the important, the most important motivating factor in a community. And I'll talk more about that next week. Until next time, thank you.